Brand Architect Podcast, episode number 164, interview with Peter Ross. You are listening to the Brand Architect Podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, hello there, Rani Alexander here. Welcome back to the Brand Architect Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening to the thing. And today I'm really excited because today I'm having an interview which proves the point that there is no magic button, that there is no one right thing and there is no one only route to follow in order to reach success and in order to grow your audience. The thing is that today I'm talking to a person who actually did not do any of the things that the online gurus are telling us to do, such as, you know, um, pick up a niche that you will be targeting, be very specific and very narrow in choosing a niche, uh, engage with your audience on daily basis and, uh, you know, things like that. So basically, uh, what happened to my guest, and today I will be talking to Peter Ross, what happened to him is instead of looking for the audience, instead of trying to grow his audience online, actually the audience found him. And he, uh, what he did was he just made a good quality content over and over again for years. And as he put said, he couldn't give up because he just couldn't not write. And the interesting thing is that he did not write about one specific topic. He wrote about pretty much everything that he had an opinion on. And he didn't have any censorship either. So he wasn't following the popular opinions. He was really brutally honest about what he thought about things. So eventually, after years and years of sharing his content, one of his posts on Medium blew up. It went viral. Loads of people discovered him. And I was one of those people because I never heard about him before. And that's how I discovered him through this medium past. And he ended up having a very large audience right now. And as a result, also was offered a paid writer contributors position in the observer. Okay, so let's dive into this. Let's see how a completely non-standard and not so popular way of doing things ended up growing the audience and having loads of readers. Let's talk to Ross and see how everything happened. Hello there, Peter. Welcome to the Brand Architect podcast. I'm happy to have you back because we did one blab interview and many actually liked it. They, they said you should have it on a podcast, but it was too noisy. So we're doing the second take and this time we'll have more structured interview for the podcast as well. Welcome back. Wow, thank you. I'm very happy to be here again. Okay, so, I mean, usually uh, what happens with me is uh, when I'm having guests over, uh, it's most probably someone whom I have noticed online already. 
and most probably I have already communicated beforehand so I have certain relationship with these people and based on that I know what they are doing so I'm usually doing the intro. Uh, the problem with you was uh, I sort of knew what you were doing, but I wasn't that sure. So uh, that's why I'm going to leave it to you and you're going to introduce yourself. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I guess, first of all, I'm not a full-time entrepreneur, writer or anything like that. I have a full-time career um, where I work in medical devices, but on the side, um, I'm a writer. Um, I started out. I started out blogging. Geez, a very long time ago, probably out in 2004, if wow. memory serves. Wow. But at that time, that was more of a that was more of an online diary. Um, you know, just putting thoughts out. Actually, blogging to build an audience. I didn't start until oh, around 2009, I'd say. Um, and it's been a very slow process. A few years ago, I started writing for a couple of publications. So I started writing for Good Men Project. Uh, I've written for written a couple of articles for Addicted to Success and a couple of others here and there. Um, obviously, I've been going on my own blog this entire time. And last year, I started writing on Medium. Um, I had a couple of pieces do really well within the space of a week. Um, and then I got an email from observer.com saying, Hey, we'd really like you to come and write for us. Um, so now I'm in my first, I guess you'd call, well, it's not professional cause it doesn't pay the bills, but I'm in my first paid writing gig. Um, so I did a piece a couple of months back on Bernie Sanders. That's actually been my biggest thing to date, and that did 900,000 views as of a couple of days ago. I just checked again. Um, so that's sort of that's where I'm at to give um, to give your listeners an idea. Okay. Well, uh, interesting. So I I'm trying to rewind back and uh, understand what's going on. So you started blogging in 2004 so you weren't intentionally blogging you were just you know uh, using it as a diary from 2006 you said you started doing it in order to grow an audience a little bit later than that probably 2000 2009 i think 2009 okay and uh i guess from 2009 until when your medium post post sort of blew up um mm. you you are not getting the traffic you are getting now thanks to the visibility you got from medium post right oh not even close um the first few years i had no idea what the hell i was doing um i just wrote and put it out there on facebook and you know i think for my first site i had uh, if memory serves for the couple of years i had it up maybe fifteen thousand views all up over like two or three years. So like absolutely nothing. Um, after that, um, I was reading stuff from, uh, you know, people like Derek Halpern, Ramit Sethi, Tim Ferriss, all those, all those types. Um, and I started to get a bit more savvy and I thought, Oh, you know, this will be easy now. I know what to do. And it got 
I did a little better. Um, and the last couple of years, I managed sort of 100,000 or so views for the entire year, which, you know, we all know is it's nothing. But, you know, it's a damn, damn sight better than 15,000 views over two or three years. So um, that was kind of heartening. But, um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't sort of blow up for me until last year. Okay, so then I have two questions for you. And I'll start with mm. the first one. Uh, many people... Uh, for that long period of time, if they didn't see traction, they would most probably give up doing that. I mean, m most people do. They just, you know, they stick mm. to it for a little while. They wait for uh, certain uh, results. They have certain expectations. And when things don't happen, they get discouraged. Then they give up and they move to something else. So what was that something? I mean, how did you manage to keep on uh, sticking to it for so long without seeing any sufficient traction? Um, I guess it's two things. One, one, I've, I think I've always got something to say about something. Um, and this, and the second is it's just, as any writer knows, whether you're a fiction writer or a nonfiction writer, whatever you write about, you can't help writing. And yes, like when you're not getting views and everyone's ignoring you, it's, it's as bad as being criticized and being told you suck and you're never going to amount to anything. Um, so look, it, like, it's not like I was even saying to myself, oh, I'll just keep going, you'll get there and that kind of thing. Like at times I absolutely hated it, but it's it was just a compulsion to keep writing. Um, I had times, especially uh, would have been early last year where I just, I stopped for like two or three months um, because I was so tired of it all and um, After a while, I just got the urge again, and I, I couldn't help but come back to it. Okay, so so yeah, great. I mean, uh, that's I guess that's that's who writers are. There are people who cannot not write. So I mean, yeah. it's very logical. So um, okay, the, the piece on Medium uh, that actually blew up and and sort of you know brought this traffic in and and brought you the visibility that you didn't have before. Um, did you actually figure out what was it in there? I mean, what was different, or you know why it actually got such traction and why so many people shared it? Did you figure it out? What what was the you know the difference? Because it was the same person writing, and I presume it wasn't like absolutely more different than you usually. I mean, was there anything different? What you think uh, actually brought you to where you are? Yeah, so I've I've done a lot of thinking about that recently, um, and I think it's because I was using to sound incredibly pretentious uh, what I call my authentic voice. Um, because that piece, the first one was, uh, about why I was discouraged with medium, why I, why I had such high hopes for it and why it wasn't good. And, you know, a whole lot of commenters came in saying, you know, everyone knows that you just write the, that you can write a piece about medium and it will do well and that kind of thing. But it wasn't like that at all. It was, I had a strong feeling about something. I was kind of pissed off. And it was, it was just a matter of me putting what I really thought about something out there. And when people saw that, they started reading another piece that I'd written before that, 
where I'd really taken the gloves off. That was like a pure and utter rant piece. Um, I think it was on the health and fitness industry. No, that's right. It was about the lifestyle design thing. Um, and that was me. That was me just like not trying to please anyone. Just I have something to say and here's what it is. And I, those pieces do well for me, I think, because I think a lot differently to most people. I spend a lot of time in my own head way more than most people do, which is probably not a healthy thing, but it means that I'm always thinking about things all the time. Like it's, yeah, it it almost keeps me up at night sometimes. And I'll look at things from a billion different angles. And when I write something like that and judging by the comments, people, it's something that people have thought for a long time, but maybe they couldn't put words to, and they see what I've written and it's just like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Um, so I think that's what it is. Okay. Do you think, I mean, I also think that there is something in it like, you know, most probably you didn't really think about the audience and really think about the people who will be reading it later on because it, it felt as if you sort of, you know, you didn't have these barriers and you didn't have this... Uh, cautious feeling of uh you know being careful with worlds and making sure you don't insult anyone and all that stuff so it was very raw it was very um Mm -hmm. angry and it 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 sort of you know it showed it showed how exactly you feel about things without any filters without any uh censorship and anything like that so do you think that that also might have uh, had any effect on on the thing yeah absolutely i think um i think especially where we're at right now people are worried far too much about their image what the audience thinks you know what's trending like they're they're actually writing for page views rather than writing because they have something to say. And when you're trying, I feel like when you're trying to do that, you're trying to be like a day trader, you know, um, investing is really difficult and you can either be someone like Warren Buffett who doesn't pay attention so much to the trends, who's taking a really long-term view, or you can be the day trader who is sitting there manically, like making hundreds of trades every minute and you can do that as a writer and write for page views but it's going to be incredibly stressful you're going to miss more often than you hit and it's probably not going to be so satisfying whereas when you write because you have something to say if it's good and it's authentic then there's going to be people that agree with you, disagree with you, but you're going to, you're going to get a reaction. Whereas if you're trying to write to please people or follow trends, you know, people, people might click on you, read a bit, eh, whatever. Um, you're not going to get those strong emotions. Okay. So, so let's see. I mean, the way I imagine it, you, you're basically up and up and that's when the, I mean, usually we're looking for the audience, but in this case, the audience found you. 
so the piece went viral. People started resonating with it. They started sharing it. It went viral. More people came in and you got this visibility. So many, many of us are actually creating content just for that result to be visible, to to make sure that people know that you exist, that you, you are writing certain things or you're creating a certain content so they can consume, they can like, they can come back, et cetera, et cetera. So once you reach that point, what changed? I mean, before you were writing uh, for just a small group of people, now you had this visibility and you had this huge traffic and you have like... From now on, whatever you will be writing, more people will be reading it and you already know it in advance. So what changes in this case? Once you are there, what happens? Uh, Well, really nothing. Um, I try and make sure now, like because because I'm fairly sure that I'm right about why everything went viral and uh, traffic and everything since then would indicate that... um, I'm going to keep things, keep doing things the way I'm doing them. I wrote a piece uh, that went up a couple of weeks ago about China. Um, and my wife actually looked it over and she said, oh, are, you, are you sure you want to put this out there? Um, you're, you know, they're, they're, they've given you a paid position here. Like they might not like what you have to say. And I, I said, well, that's how I got here in the first place. I'm not going to, I'm not going to start pleasing, trying to please people now that, I've gone somewhere because I'm not trying to please people. So I think it's a matter of staying true to what has worked for me and what satisfies me. Okay. Yeah, I see. Well, um, the other interesting thing that I noticed, I mean, everyone is preaching about finding your own niche, sticking to the niche and, you know, niching down, the smaller it is, better it, the results you get and all that stuff. So uh, I personally don't really believe in that. And, and looking at you, I mean, you don't really have a niche. I'm, I'm looking at what you've written. It's like pretty much everything uh, about. Yep. Uh, so it's not really about anything specific. It's not for a certain group of people you just put out your thoughts about different things uh so you how does it work with you uh, for you i mean do you actually know do you have any trends in terms of what kind of people come and come to you for your content since it's all over the place that's a good question i have no idea um <laughs> really i I try not to look at stats too much. Um, the the stuff that I put on Observer, it'll tell me, you know, what social platforms traffic's coming from, how much traffic there is, but it doesn't tell me demographics like, you know, 30 to 40-year-old males or anything like that. So, and to be honest, all the Twitter followers I get, I, I don't even really check too much to see what sort of demographic they are either. Um, I think, yeah, if, I feel like if you have a product you're trying to sell, that that kind of thing is important. Um, but in my case, I'm not really trying to sell something, I guess. So I don't think in, in that kind of, in that realm. Okay. So, so can we say like, you know, you're just sharing your thoughts and, uh, 
you're being yourself in in your content you write about whatever you think at that moment is important and then whoever resonates and whoever um feels the same way just comes comes to you so it's it's like you know you're just you know who uh, the people are those who who sort of you know who who think like you or don't actually you know let's talk about this the 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 piece that went mm. viral and that's how i discovered you actually uh it had very controversial i mean since it was a very controversial piece it it obviously got a controversial comments and not all of the comments were um very positive uh some of them were quite disturbing as well so um how did you deal with that i mean first of all with this you know uh, attention and flow of uh, so much engagement that you were not used to and second with all this negative feedback that you were getting I mean how did you deal with that yeah it's funny you should ask that because it's it's something that we all want I mean however much people say no I don't care about engagement or comments and all that everyone cares about it you know we all want that sort of that fame so to speak and when you do get it all of a sudden, you you expect to be prepared for it and you're not. I can tell you that right now. Um, I mean, I had a fairly, I think, realistic view of it going in that, you know, no matter what you write, you're going to have a percentage of people that love it, a percentage of people that despise it, and then a percentage in the middle that might have something insightful to say or, you know, be sitting on the fence. Um Having said that, I do (laughs) – there's a really good Mark Manson piece, I think it was last year, and he said, what kind of shit sandwich do you want to eat? Because whatever job you do, no matter how great the job is, there's going to be some sort of shit sandwich you have to eat doing that job, and can you accept it? And for me, with writing, the shit sandwich is comments because that's the thing. Like, I work – a very well, sometimes very stressful job and last week I was getting off a plane coming home on Friday night um, I'd been away from my family for a week it had been a ridiculous month I just had to deal with another crisis and I open up Twitter and some asshole has sought me out and left a comment basically abusing me and <laughs> um, in the state of mind that I was I started tapping furiously away with a comment and I had to just step back and say, stop writing, (laughs) turn Twitter off, do not respond. Um, The next day though, in after a good night's sleep and some thinking about it, I thought, no, you know what? I'm not emotional anymore, but if you're going to come to my Twitter account, it's one thing if you want to leave a, a crappy comment, that's fine. If you want to come to my Twitter and try and abuse me, I'm not going to let you off. So I, I sort of fired back at him and then blocked him because I knew that sort of person not having the last word would piss them off. Um, having said that, I'm not too proud of doing that, but I'm human. But, as yeah, comments are hard to deal with. And I asked myself the question not long ago, I think that's a Tim Ferriss question, actually. What's the easiest way to deal with this? And the easiest way to deal with comments is just to not read them. 
um, to pretend they don't exist because, look, I'd love to respond to all the people that have positive comments, um, but there's too many. And the amount of time I'd have to spend responding to negative comments, like fleshing things out, explaining myself over and over, that would be time taken away from writing a whole heap more. So, you know, I I find it better, like, hey, don't get me wrong, I appreciate all comments, I love the engagement, but at the end of the day, even if they were all positive comments, I don't have time to respond to all of that. Maybe if it was my full-time job, I would, but I've got a full-time job. Um, So, for better or worse, now I don't even read comments, and that way I don't even have to think about them. Okay, so in that case, you, you don't engage with your audience at all, or do they email you? No. Or you so you don't. You, you just write whatever you write, you put it out there, and you move on and write the next piece. Is that it? Yeah, as, as, um, as, as illogical as that sounds, yeah, I, I don't engage with my audience. It doesn't mean I don't appreciate them, but I just I don't have time. I see, but in that case, how do they know that you appreciate them? Well, apart from the fact that you just said that, so my listeners know that you do. <laughs> but what about your audience? Well, that, that's an interesting question you ask because that's the prevailing wisdom is you've got to, sh- you've got to reach out to your audience. You have to show them that you appreciate them. Um, you know, you've got to be seen and this and that. But... The reason they came to start reading my writing wasn't because they liked me or they knew me or they had any idea about me. They came because they liked my work. So I'm going to keep putting out good work and my way, my way to keep them satisfied is to get better, to use the time I'd normally be engaging with them by, instead of doing that, um, trying to get better, like really trying to improve. I mean, look, when when I see someone link something in in Twitter, that kind of thing, I'll say thanks, I'll, you know, I'll uh, retweet, I'll put hearts and all that kind of thing. But as far as like responding to comments, it, it takes away too much time. Mm, okay, I see. So um, you mentioned that now you have this paid gig for writing. So you've been writing for free for quite a long time. You're still doing yeah. that. And then you have a, a writing gig which pays. Uh, is there any difference in terms of how you approach that? I mean, do you sort of feel more responsible or are there any restrictions? How do you feel about writing for yourself on Medium or on your blog for free and mm-hmm. writing um, for someone else uh, and being paid for that? Yeah, there are compromises, definitely, um, which obviously I've deemed the compromises are worth it. Um, obviously, I'm subject to to editing. Um, so I might choose a title and when the piece goes up, the editors put something completely different on it, which, you know, I don't get a say in. Um, likewise, they might take a paragraph out here or there. Um, they've even... I've actually seen them put typos into my writing, which irritates me no end. Um, But there's also the fact that they haven't given me a set schedule because I'm considered a freelance contributor, Um, but I'm aiming for one piece a week. 
And that means that I don't generally get to go really in depth. Um, some of the stuff I've got on Medium is just pages and pages and pages long, stuff that I spent months on, um, but I don't have that sort of time. So I do have to now limit myself to sort of the 1,000 to 2,000 word range, and I generally can't spend months on it, which – so it's not that I'm rushing myself, but I'm taking less time than I would like a lot of the time, and – it's, but it's a challenge because now I have to get better in that space and make sure that my writing lives up to my standards um, because, you know, my writing can do a million page views, but if I think it's a piece of crap, then I'm not going to be too happy with it. Okay. Yeah, I see. So, I mean, what is next? Would you, would you Are you in this place where many people are where they want to – transition with the time from uh, a full-time job towards writing full-time and doing what you love mm. or or you know i i know that your the, your whole piece that went viral was about doing what you love and and quitting your job and corporate and all that you know the already uh, traditional sort of you know <laughs> way mm. we talk about entrepreneurship versus the bad corporate world so uh, taking into account all that uh, what are your thoughts now yeah so and again prevailing wisdom right now would be okay so what are you going to do to take advantage of this um you know, what's next? What are you going to leverage? Who are you going to contact? Um, my thoughts are I'm not going to try and become 40 before I'm 40. Um, I've just been offered something that I've wanted for a long time, which is being paid for my writing. So right now, rather than trying to get to some next level, how about really becoming good on this level? I mean, yes, I would love to write full time in you know, the next decade or so, I've got so many ideas um, for books and that kind of thing that I'm just not going to get around to for two, three, four years, the way my work um, takes up my life. But rushing into that kind of thing would just undo all the work I've done so far. So right now for me, it's appreciate what I've got, um, try and, uh, and keep improving, keep getting better. And the opportunities will come. I've got a good platform now um, where I can get noticed. So the next thing is to be noticed because I've got a large group of people that are very invested in what I'm putting across. I mean, I'm, I'm not aiming to be a flash in the pan, someone who makes a whole lot of money really quickly and then disappears. I'd, I would rather... I'm aiming for Christopher Hitchens, you know, John Steinbeck, that kind of thing. And I'll probably never get there because I read their stuff and I'm just constantly in awe of how not close to them I am. But, um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a high standard you've set. It's, it's, yeah, I, I don't think many would <laughs> would get there soon. So it's, it's not something to... Uh... Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I totally get that. Uh, what I don't get is usually, uh, I mean, I, I've interviewed more than 130 writers. Um, usually writers are very impatient. So this pragmatic view of taking it 
one step at a time and and waiting until you're really good at that stage until going to the other one I mean that really surprises me because usually we're very impatient we're sort of you know very irrational and and all that stuff so that's that that's an interesting thing here um the other thing is um it's it's interesting I mean I would love to observe and and see what happens later because uh we, we all speak so much about engaging with the audience, about this connection, about the fact that they really want to actually get into a dialogue with the author and, and all that stuff. And they, they really want a certain time with you. So, you know, many people are, I think that's, that's partly why live streaming uh, is is actually popular because they sort of see behind the scenes they can ask questions in real time and all that stuff so uh, I really I mean this is completely opposite way that you're approaching that and it's interesting to see how it's gonna B. So you're basically, I mean, uh, many people now are actually into personal branding, into, you know, um, making their personality as part of their brand, as part of who they are, what they do, what their message is. Uh, So your brand is purely your content. That's, That's the way you position yourself as far as I understand, right? Yeah, exactly right. Okay, so so that's that's something that you know is very rare, and and it will be very interesting to to see how it goes, because it's a completely it's just you know the same way we spoke about niching down, and that you're doing completely the opposite. Here it's the same case. So with the time I and mean, with the niche, now we know that it works without niching down. I mean, you've proved that. Mm. Now we'll see what happens with with the other part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think. Branding is important, but I think way too many people are putting the cart before the horse. Branding is important when you've got a good product. Before you've got a good product, it's like, what exactly are you branding for? I had someone contact me saying, oh, you know, um, I want to build this great worldwide brand and blah, blah, blah. And I, I had a look at what he was doing and I said, look, that's cool and everything, but what exactly are people going to read your stuff for? You know, what have you got to offer that anyone actually wants? And I didn't mean it in a bad way. It's like doing all this personal branding if you don't have something really good to offer is like starting a business and spending all your time getting business cards and logos and all that kind of thing. And then you sit down and you say, oh, so what am I going to sell? You've got things the wrong way around. Well, yes. Uh, I mean, I, it just reminded me of a conversation I had recently. Just a few days ago, I was approached by a guy who was asking for podcasting advice because he was going to launch his podcast in a few weeks. So I was like, okay, you know, you know that a podcast is not a business, right? If you're doing this to make money, it's not going to work. You have to have something on a backhand to sell later on if money is the reasoning behind launching a podcast. And he said, yes, yes, absolutely. I know that. So I said, okay, so what is your backend product? And he said, an online course. And I'm like, okay, great. What about? And he said, I'm going to teach people how to podcast and launch podcasts. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so for me, that was like, okay, uh, 
So, so yeah, I mean, that's when people brand heavily uh, to sort of compensate the lack of the thing, I guess. Um, but yeah, that happens. Uh, um, and sometimes it works, um, surprisingly. Sometimes it does. So I won't be surprised if his course sells, um, although we never know. But anyway, yeah. So, well, I mean, thank you very much for, for coming over. It was really nice. Uh, it was definitely non-standard, which I love. <laughs> I'm glad. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I love doing this because uh, usually... Um, the, the space is crowded. We have loads. Of, I mean, we're overloaded with content. We we now we spend more time choosing who to follow and what content to consume, versus consuming it actually because it's so much, and and we end up getting the same messages over and over again. And since there are too many, we take them as a pure true value which not always may be the case. So it's always nice to, to get, you know, the optional alternative views and, and how those work because there is always a space for different options and there are different ways to get wherever you want to get. So this is the, you know, the alternative um, <laughs> that we've got from you. Yeah, I'm glad. And people need to, I think people need to know that you don't have to follow this formula um, you can actually just concentrate on getting really good because eventually it'll happen. Whereas if you go with the formula all the time, you're just following a billion other people who are, you know, in it for money or fame or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say anything so cliche as to do it because you love it and all that. Um, but, you know, be different. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, definitely, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting how everyone is so different, but at the end, you end up with such a similar content from all these different people. That's that's amazing. So yeah, I mean, that's 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 one thing I I usually sort of you know uh, repeat over and over again. I, I guess you know if you just be yourself. If you are yourself, then you know no one can copy you because no one can be yourself. So that's like the the easiest way to brand <laughs> just, yeah. just being yourself. That's right. And I mean, I think everyone thinks they're different because you're in the online space and you say, I'm different from all those people that are in the corporate area or whatever, but they don't realize you might be different from them, but you're the same as everyone else online. Yeah. So the area you're inhabiting, you're not even close to unique in any way. That's true. That's true. And that's why I guess uh, these days there are so many opportunities to show who you are and, and you know, how different you are that, you know, it, it's just a matter of finding out what is about you that is different and just, you know, showing that part of you uh, in, in everything you do. And then uh, most probably just in like in your case, whoever likes that sort of thing will, will gather around you and you don't really have to chase the audience. The audience will come to you. Yeah. And I mean, actually I, I do have to caveat all of this and say, yeah, there was a little bit of luck involved. Um, I can't promise everyone that, you know, it's, everything's going to work for you. I mean, I was, I wrote the right kind of thing at the right time on the right platform when people were looking. And I mean, you can't purposely, you can't purposely reproduce that. So you mean it's, you're not going to make a course saying how to make <laughs> your post on Medium viral in two days? No, there's already plenty of people doing that, unfortunately. <laughs> 
who have come to me for advice and I told them to get lost. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I have doubts that you have many friends because you're very honest with people. They don't like that. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, I do have, I, I don't have a large circle of friends, put it that way. And I can offend people very quickly, but I've, I'm a lot more toned down in person than I am online. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, thanks a lot for coming. It was a nice interview. So um, I, I'll be in touch with you to see how all this works. Sure. Thanks very much, Annie. Take care. Well, I guess that was all. Uh, I'm really happy to present you with this um, optional way of growing an audience. And I'm really happy to actually show you that by not following guru's uh, advice and by not doing what everyone else is doing, you still have a chance to get where you want to be. So um, yeah, that's it. I will be making few solo episodes soon because I went through a very um, intense period of doing loads of different things online, of rebranding, of uh, actually um, having very deep discussions with different people and going through this entrepreneurial, uh, emotional, um, hard periods, which I think every one of us is going through. So I would really be happy to actually share my experiences and talk about those in short solo pieces which will be coming pretty soon so uh as to the rest uh i guess um i would be really happy to cover the topics that you would be interested in so feel free to contact me through the contact form at my website anialexander.com and send over um, topic suggestions, send over questions and I will be more than happy to address them. Uh, I'm also planning to do um, to start doing uh, live streams where I will be doing a live Q&A sessions with you as well. So it will be coming pretty soon. And um, meanwhile, stay Stay tuned. Um, check out our exclusive membership club, the Brand Architect Club at annealexander.com backwards slash membership because we'd love to see you there. Well, that's it for now. Um, looking forward for the other episodes. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and also leave a review for me because that will help a lot. Now the podcast is also available not only on iTunes and Stitcher, but also on Google Play and iHeartRadio. So um, we've got pretty much everything covered. And also the interview, today's interview's video version, in case you would like to watch it, uh, is on my YouTube channel as well. So um, you can check it out together with the show notes and watch it at annalexander.com backwards slash one six four. So, okay, that's it. That's all I had for you today. Take care, move forward, don't give up, do your best and consider non-standard and non-ordinary approaches as well because apparently they work too. Take care, bye.